0: hey what's up guys welcome to the real quick with mike swick podcast special quarantine series episode number six Today we have a very good guest, uh, a little nervous. He's a podcast professional. This is the, the best podcaster I've ever had on my podcast, so I'm sure it's going to be uh, interesting. I'm going to try to keep up and look as professional as I can. Uh, he's not only a podcaster, but he's the legend of the sport, a true OG, uh, someone who was a UFC champion and who actually knocked out arguably one of the best fighters of all time in Georges St-Pierre. I'm talking about Matt Serra. Matt, Sarah, welcome to the show, buddy.
1: Mike Schwick, man, it's been a minute, like the kids say. That means a yeah. long time, though. It's long
0: been a while, time. man. Yeah, I know, man.
1: Oh, you do? You're in Thailand. Are
0: you Phuket in Thailand now. Yeah, I'm in Phuket.
1: Now you Crazy. have uh, uh, the uh, um, is, it an how, is it a AKA Thailand or what is it?
0: AKA Thailand. Yep. So it's man, boring. I almost
1: want to I'm i on your show, but I almost want to flip it and find out how you went out there and everything. Yeah, I'll come on. I mean, man. Dude, you got to understand. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You got to come on mine, too, man. Cause I'm just well, we'll push it now, too. But I mean, I remember we fought on the same card several times, probably
0: yeah and there's one real significant one i gotta talk to you about that's that's uh real meaningful to me but we'll get into that in a second um but uh yeah yeah man i got i built this gym out here for like 10 years uh it's a big gym it's like a it's kind of like a college campus of fighting man we got like a restaurant we got multiple facilities for like outdoor muay thai area we got an indoor mma area upstairs downstairs weight room uh airdyne room we got a basketball court we're building a whole new thing in the back so it's it's kind of cool, man. It'd be great to have you out. So hopefully I can get you out here and uh, hey, maybe you can come out and see it.
1: Hey, dude, I would love to, man. Maybe do a seminar or something or even just, you know, just to pay for the trip. But I'll tell you, one thing we do have in common, Mike, is uh, it seems is with our fighting, uh, at least with myself, like I made my my retirement plans was my jiu-jitsu academies. Like I've been right. teaching before I have a fought. And I was teaching for twenty years on Long Island. I plan on teaching for another twenty. I put a lot of my, I got some decent purses towards the end of my career, and I put them like right into my schools because, you know the old saying: if you like to do what you do uh, for a job, you never have to work a day in your life. And dude, my academies are, are good times, man. I'm living the dream up until recently.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I I feel you, man. I had to shut my gym down, and unlike an American, man, it's like we have very strict, uh, mandates. And so it's like, and I agree with them. Like I fully agree with them. We're looking at America, man. And we're just like, what the fuck is going on? Because like it's spreading so fast and it's getting worse every day. And it seems like there's more and more stories of like Americans not paying attention, not caring, not, not believing it, uh, you know, staying in groups and like, we can't even leave our house unless we're going to the store or to like, in a like have a really good reason, uh, it, we can't get caught outside our house without a mask on or it's like $600 fine. Uh, we got police checkpoints that have completely enclosed all our, our areas. So it's like, it's like districts, man. It's not even like cities. It's like districts. Like where I live is like the small, like Kata beach area, um, near Kata beach area. And it's like that area is completely blocked off. So I can't even go to like eight minutes away to my gym or eight minutes away to my bank so it's like, we're having to do like checkpoints. So when I do this podcast and get all this this, this footage and all this videos and audios and, and stuff, I'm doing this all myself. I have to now take this USB stick tomorrow and go to the checkpoint with the with the military and the police, meet my staff, give them the, the USB, and then he takes it and then he does the editing and then post the, the content and stuff. It's crazy, man, but it works. And it, it's, it's really making a big difference here in controlling this coronavirus.
1: I mean, well, from what I see, I can only, you know, I mean, I don't know what the rest of the you know, state is doing here in New York, but, uh, you know, me and my family, as far as quarantine life, you know, I got my wife, my three kids, I got three young daughters, uh, 11, 8 and 6. And, uh, you know, as far as the life we've been living, it's been, it's, I'm going to say, it's been fun. Like, I feel bad for my wife because she has to do like the, the schoolwork. They give all the homework like through the online, and they have to. My wife yeah. has to deal with them. I feel bad for her with that shit. Other than that, bike rides and Uno games, man, and yeah. movies. Like, uh, we just camped out in the living room last night. Like, it's a lot of like family time, and that's I guess one good thing about it. I mean, I'm always I always am the optimist, and. uh you know, listen, my thing is, you know, everybody's kind of in the same boat. Like, you know what I mean? It's one thing if I'm like, just yep. my schools are getting hit. And I mean, restaurants, movie theaters, yoga studios, Pilates. I mean, everybody's like, yo, now what? We can't do this anymore? So it's like, yeah. that can't be the answer. Because you hear some fucking eggheads talking, these smart motherfuckers. And they're sitting there like, well, you know, we don't need to go to a movies. And, you know, we can watch HD at home. We can do online clips. Yeah, that might be good for you, Poindexter, but there's a lot of people yeah. that have a different type of life and lifestyle, and just to take that away is like cutting your legs off. It's yeah, it's crazy, man.
0: It's tough, man. It's tough. You know? And like you said, it's hard for me to understand because, like, every business in Phuket shut down by, by the government so there's only four hotels I mean you can imagine it's a gigantic island so there's there's hundreds and hundreds of resorts and hotels and there's only four allowed to stay open so when you look at all the restaurants the businesses especially a, a place like Thailand and and Phuket in general that's uh, number one economic resources tourism that has no tourists no flights coming in and mandated to be closed it makes me wonder who's going to survive like, like who, who's going to survive when this thing's over because unlike what you said man there are isn't a lot of help over here i mean i'm having to carry the weight myself for AK thailand luckily i ran the business okay and had some cash reserves and 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 have some kind of like uh some room there but but it's like all these other businesses it's like it's a scary thing man and again i still don't even know how long this might last so it could last too long for me you know like it like i think from the way things are going now it's gonna we're gonna they said today that we're going to open april 1st they're, they're going to start letting businesses open because they have controlled co- the coronavirus wait wait when that-
1: when i'm sorry
0: april, april april i'm sorry may 1st may 1st i'm sorry okay may 1st yeah so so, so two weeks an from april now.
1: fools joke on me it's, yeah you
0: know, no 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 may 1st so they're expecting two weeks to to get the everything back to where we can open up again and stuff. And, and there's no Corona on the Island. But then again, there's going to be no tourists because these other countries are dealing with it. So h- how exactly. these countries are going to survive and how it's going to be, man, I, I don't know how it's going to be a recovery for like even in America and everywhere else. It's like all these businesses are losing tons and tons of money. It's a worst case scenario. Like it's, literally.
1: It's uh, it's, it was something just uh, that got everybody like who would? I, it's like you're living in a Stephen King movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, and it's 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 it is it's it's very interesting times, and nobody's ever dealt with this in our lifetime, like to this degree, where everything is shut. I mean, worldwide. I mean, I don't know, maybe a hundred years ago or and before that, whatever plagues there were. But seriously, this is this is uh this is uh, new territory for everybody. Everybody's trying to you know that, and that that is kind of comforting though because. We're all in it. Like it's not just a certain area getting it. Right. not just New York, not just Thailand. You know what I mean? So <clears throat> it, something's got to. You know, we got to stay positive. You know, and, and try to help each other out. How did you end up in Thailand? I mean, did you just go there once for a training, the uh, 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 session, and or a trip? And you're like, yo, I like it. Or what? what how how did you end up there, Mikey? I, I got to ask.
0: Yeah, so I've been. I going can to ask Thailand.
1: you off the there it's not as fun, but I want to know.
0: Yeah, no, I've been I've been going to Thailand for twenty years, so. It's been like a part of my fight camps for 20 solid years since uh, I was here for the millennium, actually, for 2000 in Bangkok. So um, 20 years of training Muay Thai, and then I would have to go home and re-break myself from the the Muay Thai stances and the things I can't do in MMA and kind of save the things I can do, like the elbows, the kicks, the knees. And I just always dreamed of, like, building my own gym here where I could, you know, have – it started out as a Muay Thai gym where I could, I could come train at my own place. And then when I'm gone, I can let the locals train there and just have their place as well. It started out like that. And then through the years, um, yeah. I, I realized it was the perfect location for many reasons to have like a legitimate gym, like an AKA gym, like a, like a gym where you could actually fight in the UFC and do MMA. So, you know, a, a team of world champion Muay Thai trainers, uh, a low economy, a very stress free environment, very good food um a great location with islands and things that you can do on the on, you know when you're not training that doesn't take away from your training it doesn't take away from you know what you're doing um and and so it just became the perfect place and so I, I decided to build the perfect gym you know something that has the muay thai curriculum of thailand and 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 is big and that also has the curriculum for mma bjj strength and conditioning of america with the same level of state-of-the-art facilities you know we got weight rooms we got everything so
1: yeah, let me ask you, I mean, I did some traveling, you know, obviously, uh, with my, my fighting career. I've been to Brazil three times, Japan three times. Brazil, I'd stay a month at a clip, you know what I mean, because that was my love, and I love training and whatnot. But uh, what, is a, what is a daily, like, your daily routine over there before this? I want to know, what's the life like over there? I mean, I have friends that visited and trained over there, places and stuff, but what is the, what's a daily routine for you? I just want to know, like, on a normal day before this corona thing
0: yeah um i i'd stay here i wake up in the morning um have breakfast go to the gym you know the gym is uh the the gym starts training at 8 a.m usually i stay up late at night i've been that way for a long time so i'm up till two three in the morning working doing my emails on american time so i'll get to the gym usually around 11 maybe 11 or 12 and then i 'll be there till about eight, depending on if i 'm busy or, or doing content or going and filming stuff. A lot of the marketing we do for the gym is also marketing for Phuket we 're we're, we're selling the gym but we 're selling Phuket as well because uh, a lot of people ah. that come here they want to train, but they also want to go to the islands and they want to get on the boats and, and do the cool stuff so we're sell- you know we 're not ah. selling as much as we 're showing what you can do here it 's not yeah. just about training it 's about it 's an experience and an adventure and, and my, my, my point with the gym is. You know, I wasn't trying to build a fighter gym, you know, like as you and I know that, that I'm an entrepreneur and I want to be successful. And and, and that we both know that that's not where you go when you, if you build a fighter gym, you know, so I, I, wanted, I wanted a fighter gym that has a good fight team and a good curriculum. But I wanted to build like uh, if you can imagine like the Hard Rock Cafe Planet Hollywood of gyms because when i was when i was growing up it was restaurants and then it was planet hollywood and planet hollywood was the cool place that's where the celebrities were that's where the cool things were going on that's so that's what i turned this into and so i have like you know i got dan bilzer and i got dana white was coming obviously he came here and 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 helped promote the gym and then we've had damian hearse we've had so many celebrities that came through here and we're creating the cool factor the it factor so it's like we made the gym super big super cool uh, in a great location uh so I'm creating that experience. It's an experience in Phuket. You know, it's not just a gym.
1: Look, uh, let me ask you the, in, in, uh, over there. Um, is it just, I know, there's, obviously there's a ton, a ton of Thai fights, but is there ever any MMA events over there or no?
0: Yeah. I've, I've actually put on two events in Thailand, MMA events. Oh. Yeah. I did one on the beach. You know, it'd you
1: know be awesome. What would be awesome is when we get back on the road with Dana White looking for a fight, we do, fucking thailand
0: i was gonna ask you this because uh he mentioned uh that he was gonna go to thailand with the looking for a fight and then i think he said he had to deal with netflix or or someone youtube i can't remember and then it actually posted the places y'all plan to go internationally and thailand was one of them and so i was actually going to ask you what the update was are, are you guys still doing the show and and are y'all planning on going overseas or, or what's the update on that
1: well with def- this show is uh, is very successful i know it's on youtube uh You know, it's – even the last one we did in Hawaii, even though we don't put them out too often because really, Dane is so busy, man. That's what it really comes down to, you know. Uh, But when we get them – when we do go, we just went to – we did one in Hawaii. Dane and White looking for a fight in Hawaii. And I think in a week, it got just under a a million views, like 900,000. Now it's over a million. So it's like – it's so awesome that people enjoy like the show. Like, you know what I mean? Because it's – and, man, what a great gig, Mikey. It's myself, Dana. For the people who haven't watched Dana White looking for a fight, it's uh, it's myself, Dana, and my buddy, Dean Thomas. You know the great Dean Thomas, I'm sure. Yep. But – uh, and, and dude, it, it's – we have such a good time, and I feel like the recipe for all like, – for most entertainment, at least anything that I'm involved in, whether it's my podcast, uh, UFC Unfiltered with Jim Norton – I yep. call him Jimmy – Jimmy, yeah. Jimmy, Bird, and uh, or my the show with Dana is if we're having a good time, like a genuinely good time, I feel the people are also, and that's what you Absolutely. guess that's what's happening. Like looking for a fight, man. We're just being ourselves. We just have the, the cameras always on us. They chop up, and I'm like, oh man, I didn't even realize it was we were being that silly or doing this or that, but we just have a good time, and uh, people seem to dig it. And the same thing with the podcast with Jimmy. So man, Mikey, I'm so fortunate and you know being a fighter uh, and had a career in the UFC that once it's over shit man guys are riding that, that roller coaster and they're like this is the fucking life I'm getting paid to fight and I'm flying and yeah. I'm, me, I'm signing an autographs and when it's over it could be over over and then there's people looking around like oh shit now I gotta start from scratch and that yeah. is a scary fucking thing and I've yes, seen sir. it from I see it very close, and uh, again, man, knock on fucking wood that uh, I'm doing okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I never take that I never take that for granted. You know?
0: I hear you, man. I lived it, especially, you know, so I know. Yeah. I, had to, I and, went through the Mikey, same thing. what was your?
1: Last, where, yeah, go ahead.
0: Go ahead. Go ahead. I, uh, what I was going to
1: say, what, where was your last fight? By the way, which was your last one?
0: My last fight was the Conor McGregor fight with uh, Chad Mendes, UFC uh 189 maybe i think it was 189
1: how many years ago was
0: that it was 2015 when did you retire 2015 2015 i was retired before oh, sh- 2015 but i had finally built my gym finally got it operational so i had to do one more fight camp from my gym that was my dream was to build this this whole thing to be able to do a, a, a ufc fight camp from it and so i couldn't build the gym and then not do it you know what i mean i had to do it we filmed a big yeah. uh, we filmed a big thing on YouTube building up to it, a 10-part series of me training and going out and hanging out on the islands and, you know, this whole thing. And then I went and took this fight with uh, Alex Garcia, who's, uh, who was uh, George St. Pierre's guy, really strong wrestler guy. And, you know, it, it was a fun fight, man. It was my last fight. I lost a decision, but it, it was fun because I didn't get beat up. You know, I, I felt good in the fight. The The buildup was good. The, the attention from the crowd, being on the Conor McGregor card with all the fans there for the weigh-ins and, and the press was good. Yeah. The fight was fun, man. I was out there, and we were punching each other in the face i didn 't get hurt. you know he took me down and held me, and like you know so I lost a decision and it wasn't it wasn 't detrimental, but it was fun. What I wanted out of it, I got out of it it wasn 't like I was trying to be a champion or come back and and, and make some big mark he's yeah. ten years younger ten years younger than me, you know, good for him, but I was trying to you know show that I could do a, a fight camp from the gym, and it worked. you know I did really well as far as my conditioning and I, and I I enjoyed having the fight camp from Thailand. I just wish I had have built the gym ten years prior. Um, and then, you know, going back on, yeah, I I, I guess that's it. So, so it was, yeah, 2015, 30, I was 37. Um, but, but I want to get into something else. I I know I'm missing something else that we talked about. I'll probably touch on it in a second, but something that was real significant, uh, between us and my career was uh, UFC 69 in Texas. You fought GSP. I fought Yushin Okami. Yes. So I was riding a oh, five yeah. fight win. I was fighting a, uh, riding a five fight win streak. I beat David Loazzo, and technically I became the number one contender to fight Anderson Silva. Uh, at that time, Travis Luter won the TV show. He jumped ahead to get the title shot, and I could either wait or fight Yushin Okami. And it was in my hometown in Houston, where I'm from. The big UFC finally coming. That's right. to – so I took that fight. Uh, we didn't know Usman Akami at that time how strong he was and how dominant he was on the ground. Obviously, um, kind of overlooked him a little bit, but that's not an excuse. You know, I came out there and fought hard. Uh, it was a close fight, lost a decision but that was my first UFC loss and not only did I lose a decision I lost in my hometown and I also lost my title shot against Anderson Silva which probably was a good thing now that I see what Anderson Silva kind of became since that point you know he he had like two wins yeah. at that time I think he wasn't like the Anderson Silva we know today but yeah. uh but I will say I was I was detrimentally like hurt walking i I left early from the the uh, stadium and i went across to the hotel and i was just like broken inside you know because i feel like i let everybody down and everybody was in houston so they were thinking about me being the hometown boy losing and you know they were cheering till the end and of course the, the support was there but i was just i felt like i let everybody down all the attention was on me and i lost the fight and it was just such a such a bad moment and all of a sudden when i walked into the hotel room i mean i'm sorry the the hotel lobby the place went fucking crazy it was going crazy and people were running around and like just it was just it was a mayhem right and i was like what the hell happened yeah i couldn't understand what happened and they said matt sarah just knocked out gsp and i was like holy shit are you kidding like matt sarah beat gsp and i was so thankful that you won that fight and and took all that attention off of me and like i didn't have to feel like everybody was like everybody was like thinking about how, how I lost somehow that made me feel so much better. And I was happy for you too, you know, going in there as the underdog and getting that big win. But it was, it was, it was, it was amazing because I it instantly, I felt better. Like, wow, okay. I wait to lift it a little bit because that's huge news. Yeah. Man. Something huge happened, you know, like who cares about me right yeah. now? Who cares about me getting beat? So like it, it kind of helped me a little oh. bit. It kind of helped me a little bit. And then uh,
1: thanks. I remember, uh, I remember, I remember talking to you uh, after that, and I remember going into that lobby. I remember the post-fight presser, the little thing, and uh, and I remember talking to you there. Little things like uh, I remember you were depressed a little bit, but you were, but you always so nice, Mike. We always got along well, and you were happy for. I know you were happy for me. That was really nice. I appreciate that. And I remember walking into that same lobby, and uh, you know, back then. We dealt with fans like it was. It was kind of crazy sometimes, but holy shit, man! I couldn't get through that goddamn lobby. It was wild, yeah. man. Wild, 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 uh, wild night. You know what I mean? That was Diego Sanchez's first loss to your teammate too, to Josh Koscheck. Yep. Do you remember that? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and it was a it was a wild time. But I'll tell you right now, I was, I was better at uh, you know, being the uh being the guy to, to get the upset than, than be the champion. That was never... I, I'm not saying that was never my goal, but it was... I'm, I'm a guy that liked to fight, and uh, I like to fight the best fighters in the world, but I I never... I'm way better having a Rocky movie than some champion that's going to be fucking, uh, you know, reigning for such a long time, like a St. Pierre or Anderson Silver. I'm not saying that I'm not a, a bad motherfucker, because we all feel we are, but... <laughs> yeah i just i just it's just not it just didn't feel like me it's not my role so uh that was my that was my rocky movie you
0: know yeah <laughs> so that was saying, it you know? as you said man we got along really good together and, and you're and you were so full of energy man i know we didn't hang out a lot but when i saw you at the events i was always excited to see you and say hi because you had so much energy um even when you're ranting on your podcast, stuff like that, like either way, it's just good. It's it, it's just energy. It's just, it's entertaining, you know? Yes. And I, I, I remember it was just, I was so happy for you just because like, you know, GSP was beating everybody, you know, and, and uh, I wasn't a welter yeah. at that time, so it didn't really matter to me, but um, he was beating everybody and GSP had to beat you or whoever else. It would just be another win for GSP, you know? And like the fact that you yeah. won, that was such a bigger thing. And, and it was such a bigger moment that happened that night and you got to have it, which is you're one of the nicer guys in the UFC, one of the nicest guys in the UFC. And so that made me happy, man, because like, it was like, wow. And you were so, I could just see how happy you were too. And like, and you not only beat him, you know, arguably one of the best welterweights of all time, uh, but also became a champion. That was just like, you said, a Rocky moment. So I was, just, I was happy for you, man. Like, I was definitely stoked. And, uh, and it was cool. It was, it was, was, that's something I'll never forget, man. So it was like a a cool thing to happen after a bad thing for me.
1: Yeah, man. Well, it's so strange. The journey, you know, like when I first got involved, like I was like a, like a scrappy kid, like a street fighting type kid, like, you know, in the neighborhood, I have my share of fights and, uh, and then when I found the Gracies, I found these tapes of the Gracies and uh, their philosophy and their approach to fighting was. And this was again back in when I was seventeen when I found these uh, VHS H- VHS tapes of uh, the Gracies, uh, Gracie in Action, Gracie in Action Two. I don't I know if you ever those. seen those. Yo, yeah. Oh yeah, fucking classic.
0: Absolutely. That, that
1: opened my eyes. That was again. If you now kids grow up on the UFC, they know what it is. When we were growing up, we didn't know what real fight we, we, you know, we saw glimpses here and there, but who would win? We never knew. So before the UFC. So when I seen these tapes prior to the UFC became about, and I'm like, Whoa, this is real fighting style versus style. So the Gracie's approach, I had to un- I get out of my mind, no, never exchange, never exchange close that distance, get them down. Now you could be the hammer, they're the nail, they can't really do much. So I saw the, them doing this in these Gracie Action tapes and then uh, I st- that's how I started the fight. I started to train that way, closing the distance, you don't ever want to exchange. So, you know, I had to learn on the job in the UFC and again, my first fight was UFC 31 so it was still, guys were starting to, to get more, obviously more well-rounded, the Pat Miletic's and yeah. Carlos Newton and and all these guys that were just more than just one style. And and I had to really kind of learn on the job. And it wasn't that I was a pussy, afraid of getting hit. It was just the mentality and the philosophy and the approach of the jujitsu jitsu uh, fighters and, and the mentality of never exchanging. And right. I had to learn. And with Ray Longo, it's good, though, in a sense, because it kept my awareness and my – uh, my, of, the, of, of um, distance management and stuff like that that a lot of people might not have now it, when they just learn it all together type of thing. But it took Ray Longo to really put me, I mean, literally, I mean, when I fought Shirley Carter, I didn't have much much rounds clocked in at all standing up. But when I was 18, before I even learned jiu-jitsu or was in, just found out about it, I fought in a tough man contest in Manhattan at the Palladium. Mr. T was the referee. It was only boxing. I never sparred a day <laughs> in my life. And my, my boxing buddy told me Turn sideways, you're less of a target. And that's all I knew. And I knocked out two guys before losing in the, in the finals. It was all heavyweight, 175 and up. I was 17 yeah. years old, eight, seven, 18 years old. And so I knew I had, I had like heavy hands, but that yeah. was before I had to forget about that, develop the approach of not striking. So it's, it was a weird like thing in my head that I had to overcome. And I didn't really start besides the Carroll fight, which, which I kind of had to rely on my, my striking, and, and I clocked in a ton of rounds of straight-up boxing because I had an ACL thing that I had to work, I couldn't really grapple, so I did a lot of boxing and straight running because I couldn't really fuck with my meniscus was busted. But I, I had to really say, all right, man, even when I fought in the Ultimate Fighter, I was still, if you saw my Shoney Conner fight on that, I was still just striking to get in, striking yeah. the not Do you know what I mean? And I was doing okay with it. But I never, like, now I'd be like, dude, I would just do a fucking Frank trick to him and lay him out, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because right. I developed, it, it's just like rolling, Mike. It, it, it takes time and time to, you have to be in that pocket to know how to roll with it and to come back and to trust it and to stu- So it took, like, Lago to be like, look, man, I, like, not to totally unlearn that approach, like the the, the safety of the distance management and whatnot, but and especially as a welterweight, if I'm going to have to – when I approached George St. Pierre with that training camp, it started off – it was weird, man, because it was me in the beginning fighting the way I used to. And then I remember there was a time that he got hurt and we had to postpone it. He got hurt? Yes. So, yes, he got hurt. We had to postpone it. And I remember something happened in training where I'm like, look, man, we Longo was just like, look, you have to really believe – in your fist. He goes, Look what you're look what you're doing with the 16 ounce gloves. Trying to get too close to the guy. You landing these shots and you're almost like how Khabib did with Connor, how he, he's worried about the yep. takedown, he landed a guy. I am landing some stuff just to get a hold of people and I was hurting them with 16 ounce gloves. You know, yeah. I broke one buddy's jaw with that shit. And with the 16 ounce gloves. So Ron- Longo was like, look, Matt, if you land with these four ounce gloves, like you landed on so-and-so in training. Like it's gonna be i don't give a fuck it's lights out i don't give a fuck who it is and i remember i really had to take that to to change my mentality going into that fight and i did and so if you see that fight compared to any of my other ones especially the ultimate fighter fights it was a totally different approach and if i didn't have that i definitely i i I wouldn't have won because the chance of me getting georgie down would be brutal i mean and i would have got and the worst thing you know mike is trying to get a takedown and not getting it, and then you're exhausted. Yeah. And yeah. So it's weird, man. It was like a coming-out party, and I had the element of surprise because he thought I was just going to try to take him down. So the fact that I was making it, it felt like a sparring session. Mike, you ever have one of those fights that it just feels like a good sparring session? Like, you yep. know what I mean? Like, you're just yep. like in the zone, and, that, and that's exactly how it – I seen all the strikes coming. Like, it was like the Matrix. Like, because Longo had him – he's like, dude, he does this karate high kick. He does this. Longo is yeah. showing me all this. He's not that – so he was showing me how to like take everything away and it was like i was seeing it and just like the second re- the rematch was like a bad day sparring this was like an yeah. excellent day barring. sparring <laughs> and because of my change of philosophies and, and strategies and and my belief in my stand-up through the rounds i clocked in over at longos it ended yeah. up being a great night i don't know if that was long-winded but like, you took me no, down memory weird. lane
0: yeah, that's good man. Mm-hmm. And and like I had a fight with David Lawazo, which was my my same thing that you're talking about, man. It, it was my, my proudest fight. And it was because I, I trained and prepared so hard strategically for that fight. I remember I, I brought in Kung Lee because I was worried about uh, David Lawazo's spin and back kick. Yeah, so he, he actually taught me the best way to do a spinning back kick, and I ended up landing spinning back kicks on Lawazo in that fight and didn't get caught by his. I avoided his, uh, you know, he, he gives his back so that you'll take his back and then he'll turn around and reverse you and end up on top and elbow you down. I didn't fall for that. So that was like that same moment you're talking about where the whole fight, things were just like really working out, and, and my strategy, I was sticking to it. and I was, That was the, the one fight where I we went back to the dressing room and I was just like proud of myself. I was like, wow, you know what? You, you, know, not, you didn't just win the fight and you're happy about it, but like, damn, man, you, you, you did what you were supposed to do and fought a smart fight. And, and it was kind of like what you, I guess you are talking about there. And I was like real proud of, of how I, I guess, you know, adapted to each circumstance, each situation. As I got tired, I, I monitored it and, and didn't let it, you know, overcome me. And it was, uh, it was a cool, cool it, moment.
1: It's funny you said that about Loazo because I was just thinking that when you said that, how he would give up his back, Yep. Guys would be like, oh, there's the hooks. Let me get those hooks in. And then especially, because it's, listen, it's, it's jiu-jitsu 101. Hooks first, choke second. You see yep. the back, you get those hooks and you choke. But then that's what happens in MMA when guys thought, and he was one of the first, Loazzo, to just use that as a as a, a tactic. You know, yep. the crow. We should give him a nice shout out. He's such a nice yep. guy too, David Loazzo. Un- what a sweetheart guy. of a guy. Yep. you know i gotta reach out to him i know he's got a jiu-jitsu school also which is amazing because yeah. he's known for all his striking yeah the guy's got a jiu-jitsu school you know oh, wow. I and know that. uh and yeah yeah no the crow the crow uh martial arts school whatever he's yeah i love you him, know man. he's a great guy but uh he was one of those guys where it's like oh look at that i so if i was like cornering against him and it's funny because we've done that in the future where like weidman was fighting um kevin Kel- kelvin Gasolin. And I'm like, yo, man, don't just try. This is one of those guys where he gives up the bag. It's a similar thing, but he's good at getting out from there and he's compact and gets on top. So like we would do more of a wrestling ride to work him over. And so right. it's it, it brings me back to like the Lawazo. Like I think I was actually pointing that out where I'm like, look, man, some guys want you to get those hooks in. Cause they go yeah. belly up and then it's so slick and skin on skin. Next thing you know, they're on top. I and mean, when you lose that seatbelt. So oh, man, yeah. that's funny. It's funny with the uh, how the sport evolves like that you know yeah
0: yeah I want I want to go back a little bit one more time to this this UFC 69 so man. I bring this up way too much man and I'm I'm ridiculous for this this is like my this is my war story this is this is my hero moment of MMA my 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 one thing that I'm so proud of so uh long story short I was the first guy to to use a sponsored banner in combat sports and it was that fight that I did it we we yeah yeah we dropped the uh oh, the banner I didn't know that. Very first time. Yeah. And the crazy thing was I never had any feedback for it. That was that night was the first time we did it. And we got the idea. It was with Fitch and Bob Cook because of the American top team guys were dropping their their logo from their gym. And so we thought because we were getting so many sponsors because it was we were tied in with Chuck and Forrest. It was the same management. So we had science and we had all these sponsors yeah. and stuff. And so we thought, why don't we drop a banner and put sponsors on it so we can get more money and, and, and promote. Of course, it wasn't like the the regulation. It was like this freaking thing was like eight feet long and like it was gigantic. Yeah. And Bob, Bob came up to me. He's like, OK, so we're, we have this idea about putting this banner behind you and, and and dropping it. And, you know, what do you think about that? And I was like, man, Bob, like y- y'all's, y'all are going to get kicked out of my corner. Dana's going to come over there and kick y'all out. I'm going to go back. There's going to be nobody there. So I was, like, a little nervous, but I was, like, we talked about it. I was, like, all right, I'll do it. No problem. And so we did it, and, like, nothing was said. Like, literally, like, I didn't do it as some, like, I'm starting a, a a thing or anything. We just did it. You know, nothing was ever yeah. said by UFC. Nothing was ever said by a fighter. No fighter came up to him and was like, man, did you get in trouble for that? Or how did you do it? Or who told you to do it? Or can I wonder if I can do it? Like nothing. So you're the first guy I had yeah. on the podcast that was actually on that fight card. So, I wanted to ask you because you know you're you're getting ready for a fight. You were getting ready to fight GSP. You're watching the monitor. Sometimes you're watching the fights. Did you happen to have any memory of seeing that thing come down and then just be like, "What the fuck is he doing?" Like,
1: because I have I've had no, nobody no, mention it. Mean, I had a, I believe I had something with Sarah Longo on it, but nothing nothing with sponsors or anything. I yeah, believe no one I did something. that something. Tell you the truth, there's no way. Like you know, I'm I'm about to fight a. Everybody thought I was walking to my death. So I, I don't think yeah, I yeah. was really I figured. Uh, that. I figured. with the banner. That's a fucking hysterical question. But <laughs> you remember yeah, the yeah, banner I, get... I put down? I'm like, dude, I thought I was walking. I was going to yeah. face a killer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I get it now. now. You know what's
1: funny, Mikey?
0: But I've always you know, wanted man, to ask somebody think... who noticed it. Like, did anybody notice it? Because the funny thing was is, like, nobody said a word. And then Koscik reused it, the same banner for Diego. So we shared the same banner. We had the same sponsors and nobody said a word and then the next fight a couple more happened then the next fight a couple more happened and then it just became a thing so i've always wanted to ask somebody like from from that actually that night if they happened to see it and we're just like what the hell and of course you happen to be the first guy who's fighting gsp so it makes no sense to ask you but i had to ask you anyway um but i also wanted to mention this I also wanted to mention it because I know you're good friends with Dana White and I had Dana White on the podcast and and I mentioned it to him because I didn't think he even, he didn't even know. And, and I mentioned it to him thinking like he'd be like, oh man, good job. That, that's cool that you have that moment in UFC history, you know? And I mentioned it to Dana White and I think his words were, yeah, that was the single worst fucking thing that ever happened in the UFC. He goes, you dropped that fucking banner. And I couldn't even see what the hell was going on inside the octagon. He was joking when he said it. But he was kind of serious because you know how Dana doesn't like the sponsored banners and stuff like that. So he was like joking, but he was like, that's the single worst thing that fucking happened in the UFC. You started the worst thing that ever happened. You dropped that fucking banner. I couldn't see what the hell was going on inside the the octagon. I was wondering what the hell the thing was. And so that's, that's another reason I wanted to bring it up. So, yeah.
1: You know what? I mean, at, yeah, that night, though, Mikey, I had also uh, on, we had three of us fighting on that card. So I had Luke Cuomo knocked out Josh Haynes.
0: Yeah, yeah. Haynes,
1: I think he became a cop in Vegas. Pete Drago Cell was fighting up in in in, in, uh, in middleweight and he lost to uh, Thales Leites. He went to a decision. That's what I love about Drago though. Uh, Pete Drago Cell is if you see after I get the title you wouldn't know. Drago was so happy in that cage with me just wilding out whatever he does. And when yeah. I was getting my hand raised you would never have known the guy lost the fight. You know until you see his face and it's all fucking lumped up. But uh, the dude was so happy for me. So I, I, I yeah. just remember that now I'm the godfather to his kid. We're still close. Yeah, cool. You man, know, that's awesome. are you still close with those, uh, AKA guys or no?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're family. Like we, you know, I was there when we started AKA, like, like it was the American kickboxing Academy. When I first went there, it was team shamrock. And so we were all on team shamrock at American kickboxing Academy. Um, Frank left and, and parted with the team. And so then it was just a bunch of us, nobodies like, you know, it was me, Josh Thompson, uh, Paul Buenatello, Trevor Prangley, uh, Bobby Southworth, a couple other guys. And, uh, we were just like, what the hell do we do now? We lost our five time UFC champion superstar. And we're just like, fuck, what do we yeah. call ourselves? And, and we just decided to call ourselves team, AKA, we got Luke in there eventually. Then eventually Fitch came in and Koscheck came in. And then of course, uh, finally, uh, Kane, then, uh dc then you know then it just the list goes on so uh, i was there when we kind of yeah when we kind of formed it and then we just kind of like you know we started working on different things and and taking what worked and and getting rid of what didn't work and we just started building this curriculum that, that i still use here in thailand with with this gym
1: whatever uh happened to josh Kashek? it's like he fell off the i don't know, I hear this guy from this guy anymore whatever happened to he him? he had a he had a big you know? falling out.
0: He was a very, like, uh, fire, fiery person, you know. So, he had a big, you know, he he was always a strong personality. So, whether it was good or bad, he always was real strong about things. And, and so, sometimes it was good and sometimes he rubbed people the wrong way. He had a big falling out with Javier and they separated. He left the gym and... Mm. Pretty much after he left the gym, we just all, I mean, we, of course we weren't going to leave, you know, we had a great team, so we all just kind of yeah. stayed there. Some people kind of stayed in touch and went back and forth. Uh, I saw him a few times since then, but pretty much, man. Is he he's working? Like, Is he, how's
1: he doing? What's he up he, to? He's,
0: he does actually have a good job. He trains the military. It, one of our sponsors that, the, that we had at that time, but when we fought together, actually, uh, OG Technologies is like a contractor for the government, and they do contract work. And so uh, he was a sponsor of ours, and he ended up giving Kostya a job training the military. So I think he has his own like facility where he like basically t- teaches some kind of combatives to the to the troops. Cool. And I hear it's a pretty good job. So he, I think he's doing okay. I, I just haven't talked to him, and, and so we haven't never had any like problems except that he blew my knee out and caused me not to fight for three years but other than that it wasn't like a purposely done thing but uh yeah so i mean i know he's doing pretty good but i haven't really talked to him that much to be honest
1: yeah man i you know i like to hear when guys are doing well when they're done fighting you know what i mean i like to hear the success stories not the fucking war machine stories you know
0: (laughs) yeah of course yeah those aren't good Uh, those are definitely not good you know and i like what y'all are doing man yeah i like what y'all are doing man. i did watch a lot of uh, i did like, watch a lot of the uh looking for a fight obviously and uh, you know uh, the, yeah. i like the donut one and then i liked when y'all were on the beach and y'all i heard a story we all were like all getting ready for that but y'all were all like brick houses on the beach and doing the little swimming thing and I, I love that show man and like that's why i'm wondering when it's gonna when it's gonna come back obviously you have a great podcast and and you're doing great with yeah. that jim norton jim norton but i wanted to ask you about your podcast obviously you know i'm not a professional like you are and stuff but uh what, what what is it that you're looking to do in the future are you are you looking to stay doing more mma kind of podcast and and stay in this realm or are you looking to possibly like venture off like in more of I, I not the same but kind of a joe rogan sort of area where you're just going to be i guess talking to more people and covering more topics or like what is your plans for the future uh, and I, what are some I- ideal guests that you would like to have
1: outside well, of i MMA? Mean, listen I mean, I like the the model of just making a very loose um, atmosphere and uh, just shooting the shit like we're doing now. That's what I like doing. I am not some, you know, uh, I'm not some I'm not I would not be suited behind the desk as an analyst with the tie and yeah, somebody tells a bad joke. And somebody, <laughs> one of the, one of the fucking go was they, they First of all, they're in your ear with that. I did it a couple times when they were back at Fox and <laughs> oh fuck, did I hate it. Oh God. Everybody's so uptight. And all right, whatever you do, don't curse. We're going on there. And you got the mic in your ear when, and, and I got ADD. So I, I'm talking also like, all right, rap, rap, rap. I go, what the fuck? I got to say, got this person in my ear. I'm talking. I remember Rashad Evans and I love Rashad. And he got cooler yeah. over the years. I like him even more now. He's like, he seems like almost a half a hippie now. I like him better now than I did even back then. But I do know. I was talking to him. He was like, and I remember looking at me. And I remember this guy don't give a fuck what I'm saying. He's just kind of concentrating on what he's going to say. <laughs> and then yeah. I'm like, dude, I go, Karen Bryan is a sweetheart. She does a bad joke. I go, oh, fuck off, everybody. I don't like that shit, Mikey. I like so funny. I like hanging out That's with so Jimmy. Funny. I like hanging out with Jimmy. We talk the fights, obviously. We have a great time talking about uh, uh, every upcoming cards. I love. I mean, we're getting like guys who are like really like friends of the show now, whether it be uh, Mickey Gall, Uriah Hall, like guys that are just, they feel, uh, you know, the Black Beast. I love him. Like we have like a good relationship when they call in and it's just such, it's just a really, dude, it's just a fun time. I don't even look at it like I'm some, I'm, I'm no Joe Rogan. I, these guys... Joe Rogan, I love his podcast, the best fucking thing out there. But, I mean, listen, I'm a fucking Neanderthal next to him. I'm not going to – he's got the scientists on and stuff. I'm like, hey, man. Yeah, I I didn't mean that direction. Oh, yeah. No, but my point is, like, if for future, like, yes, I love – and our our podcast, UFC Unfiltered, is – it's pop culture also because I love talking movies or what I'm into with that. I talk my right. virtual reality that I'm fucking so into when I love my vibe and I got my fucking thing on. I love that shit. I'm like a big kid, but I would love, I don't, you know, who Kevin Smith is?
0: Kevin yeah, Smith, of
1: course. the director? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, he does a lot of side podcasts and stuff, and he does like a lot of geek shit. And believe yeah. it or not, which you probably will believe it, I'm a fucking geek. Comic book, yeah. uh, knowledge oh, sure. and star wars movies that's what <laughs> i I'm didn't into. know that
0: I okay. don't
1: never to, if you tell me who's in the fucking super bowl who's going to be in the world series i don't even fucking know to be honest with you i love fighting and i love the geek shit and that's what i like to do so i would like to do some shit with that maybe more go into more stuff like that my buddy christian Halloff, he does uh he, he does um set uh Sen live it's his own podcast he used to be a part of uh what the fuck was it called uh collider all these like geek sites i've been on his show a couple of times and it's just stuff i can relate to i can relate to stuff like that you know what i mean so it's a little odd but so am i you know yeah no, no and so like so, so is my quarantine facial hair
0: <laughs> yeah man i didn't shave either today you know, I just you know? I didn't mean like Joe Joe Rogan specifically. No, no one could be Joe Rogan. Obviously, be be who yeah. he is and, and get his guests. But I just meant going in so many different directions to to talk to people. He's on a professional level. You're on a professional yeah. level. This is more of a hobby for me. I enjoy doing. But I had like Mickey Rourke. You know, I was he he was I did his first podcast he's ever done. Uh, I had David Castaneda, who's a. a, a the star of Umbrella Academy on Netflix. I had J.J. Soria, who's on uh, another Gentified show. It's on Netflix and stuff. I enjoy mixing it up and kind of... One thing I will say, like you, I don't like interviewing. I like having talks. I like having conversations where yeah. people can join in, and if they're interested in them, my guest or myself, they can enjoy the conversation and feel like they're a part of our conversation and we can just cover a bunch of different subjects. But I, I do like covering things outside MMA, which is why I asked you, because you're so good at covering MMA, and, and obviously you you explained that you are. You, you like the Star Wars and the comic book type stuff, so <laughs> it's, just, it's fun <laughs> for me so to like, move around. It, it, it's fun for me to move around a little bit and talk to different people that are you know, known for different things, and not, not science like joe i'm not like some brainiac or anything but yeah, definitely yeah. different types of people than face punchers all the time you know
1: yeah no listen man i mean we have alex paul uh alex paulson call in he's an actor this guy's like six foot six fucking great yeah. guy he's in a bunch of different shit uh you know we have different uh what is it uh, uh frank grillo he was in the marvel movies he yeah both he's and, awesome uh, both. He he's in a lot of movies great guy great guy no we have you know I'm, I'm all into talking to different people. uh but I gotta be interested. So if it's like um something that I'm not interested in, like in the politics and this and that, I don't give a fuck. So I don't 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 right. bring them to me. You know? I mean if we bring in a sports guy, uh I like to know more about what he's streaming and uh, stuff like that, what he does in his pastime, then how many fucking touchdowns, because I don't really give a fuck about the football. So no. you know what I mean? So I'm with you. Man. you know, I'm I get with a certain you. you know what I mean? I get a, I, I need a certain uh, you know, a person that I'd I'd like to shoot the shit with, you
0: know? Hey, guys, sorry about the break, but I have to thank our sponsor, aka Thailand. I want to let you guys know that we are still doing our 30% off reopen special. Everything's set up on the website. If you are coming to Thailand after this crisis, after this pandemic, after we reopen, this is the best time to buy. This is the most you will ever save at AKA Thailand. Thirty percent off all group classes. So if you want to go to akathailand.com, it's completely set up. All the prices are updated. You can book a week, you can book a month, you can book a year, whatever you want to do until we hit our budget. Um, the, the money that we the, the the amount that we allocated to do this special, thirty um, percent discount, and you can redeem it anytime in the future. So if we open up April, I'm sorry, May first, uh, as planned. Um, you can use it then, you can use it May 1st of next year, you can use it three months from now, anytime in the future, but you have to book while we have the special going on, which we don't know how long it's going to last, because we are going to stop it once we get to this this budget we allocated for it. Um, so anyway, go to akthailand.com. you can book it there, and if you have any questions, email us at info at Thank you.
1: What are you streaming right now? Are you watching anything over there? Right. And fucking yeah Thailand. you know what do I, was you gonna,
0: got I, I was gonna i was gonna ask you about this actually but uh i wanted to talk to you about obviously uh, you probably know this is coming but uh this tiger king man i i watched the the whole season of tiger king and that was i mean that's what, what's your take on that i've had a few different people some some people thought it was amazing um and then some people thought it was just garbage so i thought it was fascinating super fascinating
1: that's uh, listen 100 percent, i'm with you when i first. Uh, you know, me and my wife go through shows, you know, and she was uh, – I put on the little thing on that. I heard about it. So we're like, you know what? I want to give it a shot. Let's watch one episode. So we watched one, and I'm like, this is fucking wacky. But that yes. guy is very um, – <laughs> he's very – you know, he, he gets you. Like, he, he, you get you get channeled in. You're like, well, look at – this guy's pretty interesting. I mean, it's a whack job yeah. to show exotic. But then you start <laughs> – you it gets it, then you meet this other guy the other guy has animals the big heavy guy and I'm like, oh my god he seems a little more normal okay I, this guy's maybe the normal guy and then it gets into him with the how many wives and girlfriends and the and now I'm like this guy's wacky and then you get into Carol uh, Baskin and you and now they're talking right. about that and I'm like oh she seems like oh maybe she's doing the right thing oh look the husband's kind of like a cuck he's walking around with a leash on and he's he's afraid of her and it's a weird <laughs> dynamic. And then you find out about the husband missing, you're like, what fuck, what am I watching? This is amazing. Uh, so it kept getting worse, and the characters kept getting more bizarre. So yeah. I a hundred percent I'm all in. I even watched the last the, the follow up episode, like the extra one with, yeah, I did too. with uh Joel uh
0: Joe the the, He's a funny guy. Joe McHell. Joe McHow. Joe McKell.
1: What a funny guy. I like that yeah. guy. He's hysterical. Yeah. I love his dry sense of humor. He was great in Ted. And uh, I, I, I uh, speaking of Ted, Mark Wahlberg, underrated uh, comedic yeah. actor. Yeah, everybody sure. knows him for playing the special forces guy. Funny as fuck. The other guys, both Ted movies, extremely uh, uh, under underrated. Uh, this is what I get. Yeah. This, is, see, this Mike. This is what I get passionate about. Fucking movies. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> now, this I, is what I, I like. Know.
0: And even, you know, even what you just described but, on the Tiger King, as crazy as you described right now, you, you still, as crazy as that was, you didn't mention the hitman, you didn't mention the con yes. man, and you didn't mention the two husbands the that were straight that married the gay guy. <laughs> so it's like you, you of, left off he's... still all of that. That's a whole nother, like show oh, no. in itself, and that was still what part you... of it. So it's like that shows how crazy that show is, and you know there's going to be a season and two for sure.
1: That crazy kid who blew his brains out by accident.
0: Travis, I mean, yeah. he would
1: come in. Yeah, he would come in, and he would uh, point the gun at the friend. And when the friend, I mean, the way that went down was like, "What the? F- uh, oh my! That alone was a moment of this dude just killed himself by accident." But first of all, you know, I rest in peace. But that fucking idiot could have killed his friend. He's sitting there. Ah, there's nothing in it. I mean, it's like it's scary yeah. shit, man. I mean, I, that just was so. What a real, I mean, talk about reality TV. The thing I do like about the show is it's not, it's it, it's everything seems real where I've done stuff before. It's like, oh, look at the angle they're trying to put this in. Was that taken right. out of context? No, these people are fucking, it's, it's for good or bad, it's fucking real. So, and I yeah, don't know that husband's definitely, that, that husband was fucking, I don't give a fuck. I feel he was they, it. Oh, that guy became fucking tiger shit
0: yeah carol, yeah you, I, I think carol killed her husband for sure and yeah. and and the reason it looked so real was because a lot of the footage they used was real footage that they had and i'm going to tell you something like man if you want to get uh entertained a little bit more if you're in, in your quarantine and stuff so if you go to youtube you know, there's a Joe exotic YouTube page. And so me and my buddy Mark were like, man, you know, he had, you know, cause they talk about it on the show. He had, he was trying to be famous and had his own show and had his own like YouTube channel. <laughs> so we actually went to his YouTube page and we went a couple videos back to his little, uh, Joe exotic live video show or whatever. And I, I mentioned this in a previous podcast, but you know, you know, like when you put something out, I'll have to explain this again for anyone that's listening, but when you put something out, like, like, you know, you, 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 gather all this content and footage and 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 then you put an episode together it's 45 minutes or whatever at some point you look at it and you're like okay this is good perfect this is what i want let's go ahead and let's go ahead and post it this is so unperfect and when you watch it like when you watch this thing unfold and you know that he beforehand must have thought this was like go time you know like it is absolutely unreal it's it's as shocking it's as shocking as the actual tiger king and he actually kills an animal (sighs) During the show, he, he, he shoots a cow, point, point, blank. He goes, he's sitting in his chair, and he goes, uh, uh, one second, we have a public service announcement, and then he has a gun, like this rifle, and there's a cow laying on the ground that's alive. It's just laying, kind of like kneeling down, and he's like, you know, Trump gets all this bad press for this, this, something. I guess Trump did something with the animals. I don't know. And he's like, and then he puts the gun on the, the cow, and he shoots it in the head, and it just rolls over, and his legs start just kind of shaking. Wow. Then at the end of the episode, he says, if I have to shoot three more animals to get on the news, I'll do it. And I, this is still on YouTube. Like, that was one of – we've only seen one so far. That was one of his shows. It's absolutely crazy. This guy was bonkers.
1: You know what? People are like, oh, man. Some people are like, well, he got set up and he shouldn't be – you know what, dude? <laughs> he was a piece of shit. Let's say what he was. He was a, was. Piece, he was of a piece of
0: shit. <laughs> he
1: get these young guys. He'd probably get them hooked up on that fucking meth. They're all missing the teeth and – and then he's making straight guys. He's sleeping with them. He's making them their husband. I mean, he's a, And then I heard he treated all his employees like shit. He's a fucking idiot. He belongs in jail. You know? I mean, just because everybody else involves a piece of shit, too, doesn't mean that, uh, you know, this guy should get a pass. He, even if, uh, I mean, dude he's, uh, dude, he's a fucking whack job, but it was entertaining as shit, though.
0: It was. It was super entertaining. <laughs> you know? it's oh, amazing how shit, famous man. he is and he's in jail he can't even enjoy it so it's crazy how, how ironic that is hey man
1: yeah dude i mean uh look at guy it's dude it's 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 crazy man people make uh they make bad choices dude and, and and poor choices and i look at that war machine i don't know why i'm bringing him up i brought him up earlier cuz i was you know you go through youtube and things pop up there was a thing on like the war machine situation and I'm just like, man, dude. There's a part of me that, that, no, he, I mean, listen, that guy, what he did was horrendous. And, I, you know, I got three daughters and, and I like, what he did was, was inexcusable. But I remember him on season six of The Ultimate Fighter. And it, maybe it's before he went down the extreme dark path, you know, that it's partly that fame could bring you because he started to get more popular. And, you know, there's certain, and, and I don't, there was a certain, I don't know, man. Like, I feel if that guy was, like, around me and Long, if he was around different people, he could have been, like, uh, brought a different direction. But I don't yeah. know. That's just something I think about, you know? Because I remember talking to him on the show, and there was, and, and I don't want to, you know, I'm not saying, obviously what he did was fucking horrendous, and he belongs in jail.
0: But yeah, there was yeah. something
1: likable at, on the show. I remember there was something, like, a likable about him. But I'm like, man, you know, I, you wanted to help him. But uh, that—I don't know—that guy just made some bad. I mean, that you know, it's just a shame, you know.
0: It's like it's I like a it's vulnerability. Like I think it's like a vulnerability. Yeah. Like I know somebody else that's like him that hasn't done something horrendous yet, but they have that same personality where they're just lost and they don't know what to do with their lives and they're very kind of vulnerable, which is what I think you saw. It's almost like you feel bad for them, but they're likely just to do something crazy. And I think he went that route where he lost his mind and went and did something really crazy and really stupid. And and, and maybe he could have been saved if he had the right friends, you know, or the right person to lead him, but it didn't happen. And 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 now he's obviously uh, in a worse position.
1: Yeah, man. It's amazing, man. Like, you know, like, I mean, I'm wearing a, henzo nose shirt and i I think about like everybody loves henzo and that's and that's and besides him being a a a masterful fighter and teacher it's because of the person henzo is is that's why i believe he has the success he is has you know as uh and you know um and you know you think about certain people that are put in your life and if they weren't there where would you be you know what i mean if it wasn't for me meeting henzo as a kid and henzo telling me to uh you know, he didn't like the way I was training because I was working all night at security and and uh, and just so I could train in Manhattan and then go back into a security guard booth. And it was I was just tired and affecting my training. If it wasn't for Hanzo saying, dude, hey, man, quit that job. Come here. Teach some jujitsu with me. And I, and if he didn't do that for me, I mean, fuck, you know, where would I be? You know, so yeah. it's amazing. So, I mean, it's, it's like paying it forward and, you know all that type of thing. Like I try to do the same for my people that, that I come into contact with. And I, I try to do underneath me with my students. And it, it's a positive thing. And, and it, it gets set into motion by one person's good deeds and good actions. So it, it's wild, you know? And, and that's what I, you know, that's what I took from Henzo. Cause he didn't have to do that for me. I was I wasn't, you know, nobody knew the name Sarah. I wasn't born into a, I mean, you know, I was just a, a kid with I didn't you know, I had nothing like really going for me besides I like doing jujitsu and I love jujitsu and that's it. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I don't know where I went with that, but you
0: know, No, that's true. I that's mean, what happens. About, both, and the thing about with Henzo too is like he's he is that good of a guy. You know what I mean? Like he, he it's not a fake yeah. uh, you know, attitude. It's not a fake Thing he he's a really good guy and so like I totally can see how he would just talk to you and be like hey man you know come down to the to the studio like he he's just so, such such a, such a real guy man I've, I've talked to him multiple times and and hung out with him on a few occasions and he's just such a genuinely nice guy and he has that heart you know that cares about people and you know a lot of fighters especially old school fighters have that you know because it's like when you come up yeah. that way and you fight for so long and you have that camaraderie with other guys that fight you have that, that sympathy for other fighters and other guys, and you have an ability to help them and, and, and you want to do it because, you know, so, so he's essentially the one that got you kind of into this whole thing and, and, and pretty much got you to where you're UFC level in fighting, I guess, huh?
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. Like I knew, I knew at a I had a high school. I mean, first of all, I got, I graduated high school on, I, I got my, I showed up at, I got my diploma but I but the last few months was home home uh, tutoring right. because of uh incidents in high school, and I was never a bad kid. I always just had a temper and whatever else and uh, I remember I was set to go into the Marines. You heard this story already or? no did you hear this Oh okay well I was set at seventeen, I was in the delay entry program. It's something that your parents have to sign to give you permission to go into like the marines early type of thing. I knew right. I wasn't going to be a student, you know. Uh, it wasn't my thing and at at ni- in 1992 before there was a ufc and if you thought you were a bad motherfucker what do you do you know what i mean i i wanted to uh, be a special forces guy i wanted to be that dude i'm like well those are the baddest motherfuckers that's the route i'm going and then you know lo and behold i started i my face i had the recruiter come to my house uh and a uh, nice little little hillbilly guy from down south but he was he had an accent and Nice guy, and he, he sat with me. And my parents, I signed the papers. They signed the papers. I was jogging with the, the Marines at the parks on the weekends, like the the recruiting people, and and I was looking forward to doing that because you know I needed a direction, and I saw what happened after high school. With a lot of the local tough guys, it they didn't end up well. They just you know what I mean. The, the generation before me, and uh, and again, like I said, there was no MMA, no UFC, nothing like that. So I remember that uh, I was seventeen. I didn't graduate yet. And uh, I got into a street fight uh, at the pizzeria I worked with when there were some guys coming up looking for me. I had a, I had a beef with certain dude, and uh, he came up with a bunch of guys at my place of work. I used to deliver pizzas. I got into this fight, long story short, I didn't know jiu-jitsu. They, they surrounded me. The guy had me in a headlock cheek-to-cheek like this. So I, I ended up biting his ear, took it off, uh, All of a sudden you know, I went to the I went and you know, they they got broken up. They obviously they they took him, the friends got him, took him to jail. My boss jumped in the fat pizzeria boss, my buddy. He's like, Oh, you know, it was an even fight. They blasted him, broken nose. (laughs) I'm the only guy who didn't have nothing on me because they checked me out. I went tumbling into this the the parking lot and they just picked him up, they picked the ear up, they took him to the hospital, the cops come, dude. Mike, he was crazy. My (laughs) my parents were at a white a wedding, they had to come to the precinct. Uh, to see me. And I didn't get out. I had a rain the next morning. And uh, my father was a cop at that time. I remember him telling me, look, man, if something happens. Press charges first. That way something's on there. And and I remember being like, "Yo, man, this guy came to my place of business. I want to press charges. I didn't have no injuries, Mikey. So they're like, hey, man, that's great. But this guy has no ear and a broken nose. So what the fuck. So they, they locked me up my first night. I had to spend the night in jail and, uh, you know, the holding thing. And and long, I'm making it a long story, but it's hard to leave some stuff out. I wasn't able, in 1992, like because the original charge was a felony for disfigurement, they knocked it down to a, uh, I pleaded guilty to a, uh, a misdemeanor, a class A misdemeanor of uh, something else. But it, And I got a youthful offender, and then he tried to F me civilly, and I got out of that because I was great on stand, and I told the truth, the guy came to my work, but... I was no longer allowed to go into the service. My little recruiter, I remember, wow. he was a great guy. He goes, oh, man, Matt, you know, I got my bosses too. And I would love, I would be in a foxhole with you any day. The little, the little Georgian yeah. guy. told me, He goes, I'd be in a foxhole with you any day. But, you know, I got my superiors. So when that door closed for me, I'm like, all right, now I know I don't want to go to college because I barely got out of high school. But now I can't do what I wanted to do. I wanted to be that guy. I wanted to to do that military fucking Marine recon. And I, I this is, that, that's what I was going to do. So what the fuck am I going to do? And that, and that summer in 1992, I graduated. I went with a buddy of mine to Waterbury, Connecticut. Cause I saw in black belt. You were a black belt magazine.
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. I
1: no, 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 the kids now I, were, I remember, you know no.
0: I remember a full contact fighter newspaper magazine. Do you remember that? <laughs>
1: Yeah, that, of course, man. That's old man. school. Uh, Joe Gold, a guy who run that. Yeah. Of course. Well, I remember in Black Belt Magazine, there was a, um, oh, a seminar in Waterbury, Connecticut, and it was with Horion Gracie and Hoyce Gracie. Now this is 1992, mm. so I'm like, oh shit, that's the the Gracie, that's from the in, the tapes of them fighting in action, like I talked about and we talked about earlier. I yeah. go, let me go do that, man. Let me go try that. I went there and. Uh, I took a lesson. And now before that, as you know, as being a martial artist, I did like Wing Chun Kung Fu. It's like, it was all fucking forms and shit like that. I'm like, yo, there's no forms. There's no kata's. It's all just about getting a, the position of mount. And that's where you strike. And, or else you're looking to break an arm. You're looking to strangle. I go, holy fuck, this is what I need to do. This is it. This is what I... So I fell in love with it. But I thought I'd have to move to Cali, you know? And then... Craig Kukuk, who was trained in Torrance in Brazil under the Gracies, and then became Henzo's American business partner, moved to New Jersey. Did one class a week in in New York, and I started. Fi- I found out that was in a a, a little judo fucking school in then the uh, in the village. So I'm like, yo, man, I went there once a week. I loved it. A couple of years later, Henzo came. They had a falling out. Henzo took me in, and now I'm talking to you, Mike Swick. So it is a crazy. <laughs> if that's what I'm saying, so. <laughs> If, uh, you say about people coming into your life it wasn't for that fucking idiot who came to to beat me up yeah yeah i I'd be, I'd be, I'd, i i i would have had a way different journey man so good or bad sometimes things happen to you and doors get shut that you want open but there's probably a reason they got shut a bigger reason yeah i'm getting deep Yeah. Now. but i mean listen i mean that's just that's just that no, was no I, I agree path, with you 100% you
0: know? I lost my first gym in Thailand, lost a lot of money, lost a lot of time and completely failed. I and mean, it could have been more of a failure and same thing. You know what I mean? Like, because of that, I was able to figure out all the things I did wrong and failed. And then I turned them around and built AK Thailand. And so, you know, the failure turned into, and more doors opened. And so that failure turned into now success. So, you know, yeah, I, I totally understand your point. And, and luckily, and, and you know, I'll say this, I tell people this all the time uh, that see me pursuing things and I'm very ambitious and I go after crazy stuff, but um you, you, the doors never open if you stay still or you back away or you quit. You know what I mean? So my thing is always moving forward. Now, now, sometimes I don't see the path completely. I don't see exactly how to get to where I'm going or what I'm trying to do. But I do know that if I make steps each day to get there and move forward, that's when these doors open that you don't expect and, and things happen and, and, and somebody joins you or you meet somebody and, and then they, they know somebody else and this, this, this thing happens. And so it's like, I always tell people, just move forward. You know, like, you know, you don't have to know exactly how you're going to do everything. But if you really want to do it, and you're passionate about it, and you think that you can do it, you, you know, you know, deep inside, you can do it, just go for it. And don't worry about how you're going to get all like, I'm going to build this entire huge gym that's two acres and, and all these different things. Just worry about what you're going to do for the next day like like I'm going to get the plans done by tomorrow. I'm going to approve those by the next day. You know, I'm going to sign the paperwork on the lease the next day. Like baby steps and then those things happen. And so I totally I totally see what you're talking about.
1: It's 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 there's so many just circumstances that and it makes you it really makes you like me. It makes me just view like mishaps and shitty things that happen in life. Like you don't want to say, "Oh, it happens for a reason." I'm not that guy. Right. But if it's a very big, if it's a big, like, look, man, I mean, there's so many fighting is the perfect example. My debut, Shoney Carter. I was, oh, man, I I feel I showed in UFC 31 with Shoney Carter. Nowadays, it's it's not like everybody sees this stuff now. But before that, nobody was doing no nobody was going for the legs to reversals. And I'm not bragging, but it was a aggra- an aggressive style of jujitsu that wasn't that common. Now it's very common you know but back then it wasn't i'm not tooting my own horn but i was fresh off of fucking abu dhabi i was living on the mats and i had brought that to the octagon and i had a, a great fight with Shoney. but then again the lack of what we talked about earlier my stand-up and the timing and i was just basically just street fighting standing up and i now when i watch that tape i see the setup for these back fists like a mile away it was always oh, so it was so silly me just rushing in only the saying, only fools rush in. I mean, I would just a straight line. No, it wasn't strategic at all. Not like my ground game. So, but if it wasn't for me losing in the last 15 seconds of that fight where, you know, it, I would never, you know what? I would have won and then I would have fought Pat Militich and that would have been too early for me to fight Pat Militich if you ask right. me. Like, because he fought, he fought Pat next and he lost to Pat at the Meadowlands in New Jersey and I was there for that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, that would have been my fight. But you know what? I wasn't ready for Pat Militich then, I don't think. You know what I mean? In my 30s, I was a different fighter. Like, it's weird. When, and then, not for nothing, the way the universe works, I ended up getting shorty caught Carter back in the house on The Ultimate Fighter. So there's times where shit could be like, yo, man, everything would be so right if I just did this in that fight. I would have won that fight. and I would have. But no, maybe not. Maybe there's bigger things at work. And, and it you have to just... Not to, not to sound hippie-ish, but trust in the universe and let things, and as long as you have good intentions and and, I, I, and and stay positive, that's the most important thing, things have a way of working out. That's just the way I think about things, you know, and that's just, I, mean, I remember Carol Parisian, dude, I laid that guy out yeah. in the opening seconds of our fight, and, uh, you know, every fighting camp is different, you know what I mean, so... I remember, like I said, like I told you before, I had to really trust in my hands in that fight because I did a ton of boxing for that fight because I had a, a left knee thing. I'm not using it as an excuse. It just is what it is. And uh, I remember I almost laid him out. I, I, I rolled. I, I did a right. And a couple of things in that fight happened that if it wasn't for that, like I remember he went to – he was really on – he tried to get a hold of me, and that might not be politically correct to say. He was on—he was wobbling legs, uh, wobbling legs back then. So I remember I flipped him over when he tried to get a hold of me, but he was like propped up against the cage or else I would have had a clean mount. And then he had a judo grip in the back of my fucking shorts, and he, like a gorilla, pulled himself in, and he weathered that shit. And then I started to gas, and he's the wrong guy to gas with, that's before he started running into issues. That's yeah. back when he was the Heat. Yeah. And the guy oh, yeah. got me gassed. And I made it. I remember I learned a lot about myself in that fight. Because it was one of those. It was the most hard I ever been in a fight. And between the second and third round, I took some damage on the floor. And I remember Ray asking me if I wanted to stop. And I and everything in your mind, of course you want to stop. You're fucking exhausted. You can't, I feel like I can't even stand. But I didn't quit. And that, that meant a lot to me. I got to show some cool escapes. And another thing. That fight, I remember it was the first fight. My 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 fiance, now my wife of uh, 12 years, came to the fight with my my father-in-law, Ciro. It was the first time he watched me fight. They drove to Atlantic City. And I remember being like, man, all my students were on the boardwalk. I remember going out afterwards, going, hey man, you fuckers better not go join a judo school after this and leave. You know what I mean? It was a horrible feeling. But he got. After that fight, he got to get matched up for a title versus Matt Hughes, and he tore his hamstring, and then had issues, way issue, a lot of issues after that, and he fell off. If I would have won, I don't think at the same time, I don't think I was ready for Matt Hughes at that time. I think I beat him when I fought him. Don't get me wrong, that fucking yeah. guy. But uh, is it too <laughs> soon since the accident? Anyway, he's has no, fuck that. Right. Anyway, Mikey, we're shooting <laughs> right. the shit. Listen, that's all right. I, don't, I never, I never liked the guy, but. I would have fought him too soon. I probably would have lost to the guy. And instead I got put on that ultimate fighter show changed my life. So Mikey, man, just like this shit, every, the world is going through now with this, 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 this virus, me and you kind of in limbo with our schools, everything we put our, our lives into up in the air, what's going to happen. We got to trust. We got to trust in the, in the way the universe works, buddy. Cause we're both good people. And this thing will clear, and and what we will come at what will come out of it, hopefully not a bunch of debt. No, like it is man, <laughs> I'm having I'm I'm really having such a great time with my family right now, and I will end up on my feet if my shit gets brought uh, broken down. I will build it back up, and uh, it's important for everybody to keep a positive attitude. Otherwise, what do you got? You know what I mean? And these negative nillies, man. Yeah, you know. It, it, it's not going to do anything for you, man. Even if times are shit, you know, even if you don't see an answer, you know, there's times with me, man, where I'm like, man, I don't I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. I don't know how I'm going to pay for that. I don't know what, and then things have a way of working out. You know, kind of like that girl Domino in Deadpool. All right, see, that's my nerdy side coming out again. Yeah, I hear Deadpool, it, I was, I was, I
0: was... I was gonna say the same thing though, man. Like when when you came to to that conclusion with about what we're dealing with right now, and it's positivity, positivity, and baby steps. You know what I mean? Like just keep moving forward, keep positive, and and I think things are gonna work out. You know, and and like you said, I've been through so much. I'm sure you have as well. Like that, it's like I'm not afraid to take a to take a hit you know what i mean like I, like you said if it, if, if it gets broken down you're going to build it back up i feel the same way I, you know i've struggled so much to build the, the first gym and it crash and then the second gym and it's been a rough road so i'm not afraid i'm not afraid of what's going to happen and and as bad as it can possibly get i feel confident i will somehow figure out a way to build it back up and 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 get where i need to go so that's that positive attitude and and then just the baby steps moving forward you know
1: yeah maybe it's the fighter in us but uh you got to kind of welcome adversity. It kind of, it, it, you know what it does? It'll keep you up at night. It'll, you go to use the bathroom at five in the morning. Then you go back to sleep. Your eyes open up, start thinking of shit. And sometimes that's not a bad thing. Sometimes you got to use that as a, as a motivator to say, all right, I might have this door shut. I might have that door shut. What other doors can I open? What else can I do? That's why I'm getting on Twitch. <laughs> I am getting on fucking Twitch though. I'm a video game nerd. And I'm a bad motherfucker in that VR. You, Mike, you see me with this thing on, and I'm in that fucking thing. And I'm – you ever played PUBG? <laughs> I'm so out PUBG? of
0: video games. You know oh, well, no, let me tell you. No, I have
1: you. no idea. Let me give you, let me give you the premise because you might – we might hang out in the Oasis. You ever seen the movie Ready Player One?
0: I know of the movie. Ready I,
1: Player
0: One. I, I don't know if I saw it. Dude,
1: such a good movie. It's based on a book. <laughs> but it almost gives you that 80s feel Spielberg type of movie. I think he, he did it Spielberg or he had something to do with it, produced it. What a great movie. But it's basically like the future of people, like everything's so shitty in the future that people just hang out in their VR and whatever, it's that kind of it. thing. But, dude, I go in that thing. I have such a good time. Man. I have a certain game I play. And picture this, Mikey. You start off, you're, you put the headset on, you're in, on a, like the wing of a plane, right? The plane's going. It's going over an island. And then you drop. And on this island, 30 players. There's some artificial intelligence. Not everybody's a human. Maybe 15 guys more or less. Other bots, the bots. But anyway, you got to find a weapon or weapons. And then the perimeter starts getting smaller and smaller. Now you got fucking houses, forts. It's not like Fortnite where you got to build shit. It's like an island. You got to go find weapons. And you got to be the last man standing. It's fucking awesome. It's cool, man. Anyway. This is Mikey's this is where I start delusion. This is like this is where you go you realize you're like, you really are a man child.
0: <laughs> you're gonna have to text me on that. No, 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 i have been interested in trying the VR because that's like the new thing, but I haven't yet. I have, I have no experience with that.
1: I plan on getting on uh Twitch. I, I've been saying it forever and people are, are uh, DMing me and telling me they want me to start it up, but my thing is I'm doing this shit anyway, so might as well entertain and have a good time with that shit. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, no, I hear you, man. I hear you. I was I was gonna ask hey, you going back real real fast though. Um, so, so you were a champion, and and since you were a champion, I, I want to ask you specifically this: Do you feel like you you were ahead of your time, uh, and would you have rather been maybe 15 years younger now, fighting where it's a lot different being a champion now than it, than it was then, or do you think that guys like us, the old school guys, we 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 had it as good as we? we should have had it back then and could have had it with how many fighters there were, the talent pool, the, the circumstances around it. And are you content with that? Or would you, would you have rather been there today and and fought the talent pool that we have today? And the, 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 obviously the, the, the way larger demographic of fighters.
1: No, I mean, I'm, I'm proud of where I was. um, And, and, uh, Oh, even before I got the, I was content back when I was fighting when I had like a bat and I was like seven and seven. But when I looked at, I was just so psyched to, uh, to be fighting the best. I was considered one of the best fighters on the planet. I'm fighting the best. I mean, which, again, it's not that I didn't have a goal of being a champion when I, when I first started in, in the martial arts and my dream was like, all right, maybe I'll, uh, I could get a school and I could have one of those challenge matches, even before the UFC. Maybe I could have a take where a guy comes and I don't want that shit now. I'll fucking sue somebody. I'll kill him. <laughs> I don't want to get sued. But my point is this. As a kid, I exceeded all my dreams. Like As far as that. like I didn't yeah. say, all right, I'm going to do this. And be There wasn't even a UFC. So it's like I, I dreamed of having a school and doing that. So when I first opened my first storefront and I lived in the basement for like two years, it was going to be only a couple months, but I was going to be between apartments and it was so comfortable, I would just, you know, and it's kind of cool at 26 years old doing that. At 46, it might be depressing, but at 26, it was cool. And I remember just living in, a, on this, in, the, in the, like this little strip mall, like in the basement, and waking up doing that. And I felt like then, fighting in the UFC, I wasn't no millionaire, I was not a lot of money. But I would remember feeling like I made it back then, so you could imagine, yeah. you know. But as far as like, like between now and then, like the popularity of the sport, I'm, I'm very happy. Uh, people, a lot of times people know me now, I mean, the GSP fight was kind of huge, where because of who George is, you know what I mean. That, that victory is is the gift that keeps on giving type of thing. You know what I mean? Right. Because it was yeah, that sure. underdog Rocky type movie. But a lot of people know me more now as Dana's looking for a fight with Dana and doing the podcast with Jimmy. They know me more for my personality than my fighting, which is kind of cool, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I'm happy like that. I mean, it's, you know, as far as fighting the talent. Then and now, I don't even see a difference in it. And then, In other words, like, I look at the guys I fought, BJ Penn, you know, yeah. even guys I don't totally. like, like Pat Hughes, George St. Pierre. I mean, these guys I fought, Eve Edwards. I mean, these guys that are bad motherfuckers that a lot of people don't even know. I They know yeah. Eve Edwards, but I'm saying the fighters that do know. Let me ask you, Mikey, like, like I got this kind of other thing going, and, and it's nice that people recognize from that, and it gets a lot of views. Do you feel, and I, of course, listen, the people who know know who mike swick is you're you know a pioneer also do you feel you 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 and you're still in the limelight you're doing your shit but do you feel like you, you if you were fighting now like you it'd be just obviously everything's more in the limelight now with everybody fighting like you know what i mean like do you feel you missed the boat a little bit with that or no no the popularity no. of fighting now compared to then
0: you know the popularity's better the money's better the fame is better. But for me, you know, it was never my fighting was never my end game. Fighting was like, I wanted to be a fighter. I wanted to be known as a fighter. I wanted to be successful where people knew who I was. And, and, and I had respect as a tough fighter, you know, and, and I could hold my own and yeah. beat good guys. And then I wanted to move into something else. So for me personally, just being honest, I feel like I was in the right time because when i was coming up i was on the ultimate fighter which helped tremendously um and then being off that ultimate fighter you know i was on the main card of every fight you know there wasn't 500 fighters in the ufc it wasn't overcrowded so i got a lot of attention i was on countdown shows i had a lot of you know promotion and marketing so and i was fighting guys that were tough they were very tough you know i fought joe riggs you know i fought Lawazo. i fought some tough guys but nowadays, yeah. it's so hard, like for me to have come up now. Uh, I know guys in the UFC that are three and O, four and O, five and0 in the UFC, and you barely know their name. You know, when I was five and0 in the UFC, I was about to fight Anderson Silva, and I was a, a star, you know in yeah. video games, magazine covers, and you know things like that. So I think for me and my talent, where I was, the best I could have done was be in that time. I think I don't think I could have done as much now. And, and been any kind of uh, success now that I was then. So I, I humbly and happily, happily yeah. in that time frame, and, and, and now just trying to pursue something else, which is business and, and build these other dreams up. And, and because of that, and because I, 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 it was what it was back then, and I got to get a lot of boost um, that was a little easier to obtain, it's now carrying over. And I'm being able to milk that a little bit and utilize that to, to build up something that can last a little bit longer.
1: I mean, I mean that's really what I recommend for most young fighters too. Is uh, it's good to want to be the champion, and and of course, if that's their end game, they got to give everything to it. But you gotta, you have to think of, or at least try to find another passion. You know that you could, that whether it has something to do with fighting or doesn't, you know what I mean. Like you know, the like most of my shit is. Like the fighting and then, you know, the other geek shit I just told you about. Like, I want to be able to make money through all that. That'd be fantastic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, just like the video game thing, you know? So, but it's, it's kind of unfair to be like, well, if I fought the talent today, would I have even stood out? Or it's hard to say that because everything evolves, whether it's boxing or fucking golf or everybody. Obviously, the, the these guys grew up on MMA. When we were kids, we didn't. That was nothing. And when yeah. it first started, it was NHB, no holds barred. It was, it yeah. was nothing until now. It's really just mainstream, and kids grow up with it. They know. I mean, technically, my daughters know how to fight better now than I did when I was in high school. Tech. I mean, right. technically. Yeah. I mean, it's a weird. It's just the circle of life with that stuff. So, I am just very um, uh, appreciative to be uh, still in the limelight at all like uh, you know it's not like something i mean the podcast we were i remember we were doing the show the old the uh the dana uh dana white looking for a fight and we did a camping episode and i remember being with dana and dana's no camper he hates that shit he's funny Mm -hmm. we have great (laughs) episodes we had such a fun time but i remember bullshitting with him and we were we were outside and i don't know they were setting up something and he goes look do you want to try to do this podcast you want to do this podcast and he was throwing some names out i'm like I don't know, man. I just I'm content to just doing my schools and and that's when we were doing the show a little bit more consistent. So I'm like, man, I'm but these two gigs are fine with me, man. I like this and I don't know shit about fucking radio and I don't want to be the next Ariel Helwani or whatever. I don't. Yeah. yeah and sure. then he goes, nah. And then he brought up Jimmy Jim Norton and I always got along with Jimmy. Like I I didn't know him that well, but I did the uh, I did the old Opie and Anthony show, the radio show, the. Classic radio show there in New York, and and he was the the, the third mic on there, and I met him there, and I go, well, Jimmy's, I, I like Jimmy, he's a nice guy, and I'm, and then I gave it a shot, and now I fucking love it, I yeah. love Jimmy, I feel it's like family, I love my Jimmy, we're very close, we've been doing the show over three years, maybe close to four, and uh, what a what a good time, and people are enjoying it, which I think, I mean, the people hit me up,
0: yeah, sure. whether I'm at
1: Disneyland or whatever, they a lot of people. They stop me there more for that than they do for my fighting, you know. Well, I mean, sometimes it's the George thing, but you know, it's wild, man. Again, I'm a I'm a lucky dude. I'm not saying I ain't talented, yeah. but I'm saying I'm, uh, I'm, a, I'm no, a, a, a. I feel like I I always feel like uh, I stepped in shit, you know, in a good way, obviously.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah. Well, this is the quarantine special, so I have to ask you, and, and you see me wearing my New York hat today, and, and New York's taking a huge hit right now, and I, was, I really want to talk to you because you're in New York, and I, I don't know if you're familiar with the stats, but uh, as of, I have them here, but as of uh, today, there's been 710,000 cases in the U.S. I mean, this has blown up like tr- like crazy every day, over 2,500 deaths a day, pretty much, um, and there's been almost as many deaths in New York as in, or I'm sorry, it, it, half the deaths have almost been in New York of the whole United States. Like it's crazy. It's like it's something fourteen thousand five hundred of the deaths were in New York out of thirty seven thousand in the US. So New York's obviously taken a huge hit. And I wanted to get your um kind of your input on what it's like being in New York because I have to assume from the news I'm seeing here and it's all New York, New York, New York, it's gotta be crazy there. It's got I mean do you know people that have this coronavirus? Is it all over the news? Like, Is, is it as crazy yeah, for you wife, being there as it is for me my, watching?
1: Yeah. yeah, my wife lost her aunt. I mean, her aunt was 90 and smoked cigarettes. So it's a pretty good run as it is. But she caught the virus. She died. So, I mean, oh, that wow. was pretty close. My buddy Ray Longo has friends that he knows or acquaintances. Oh, wow. He goes, oh, man, this guy, that guy. So it gets real when you start knowing people that are dying so it's like whoa yeah you know what i mean i have several uh friends that uh and uh a couple of them had it you know not people at my school or anything but uh uh through high school or whatever and this one it's it's scary i feel not that it's not long island but i'm in long island it's a little more spread out i'd be on the train a couple of days a week going into the city to do the podcast not anymore now i'm doing it exactly the way we're doing this now uh, they yeah. said the UFC is good enough to send me a microphone and we're doing it like this. But, uh, up until they stopped, I was going into the city too, twice a week. And I look forward to it. I loved it. it. I loved going at the Penn station, walking over to, uh, you know, the, the, the it was only like seven blocks away. Hang out with Jimmy. I go back. I'm more on the trains than I am in the, 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 stu- the shows an hour long. It was, it was nice. It'd break up the week. Nice. You know, but, uh, you know i was starting to get worried too like i think in the city it's so populated and everybody's on top of each other yeah that's what happened but i think long island is uh a little better obviously for that reason it's everything's more spread out you know me and my kids one of the first thing i did is i hit brand's bike shop his famous shop, bike shop in my in my uh town it's been around for like 90 years i went there i got a mountain bike i got my, my kids new bikes and we do like uh, family bike rides, and it's funny, man. It feels like it feels like you're in Walking Dead going for a fucking supply run. <laughs> yeah,
0: we're fucking crazy. going around
1: town, and it's everything's closed down. But uh, again, that's pretty much it, man. A lot of family time, and uh, just an uncertain thing in the future for my schools. When we get off the phone after this, I have get the Skype. I'm gonna go check my bank and see if the I'm getting those fucking loans, you know
0: yeah crazy times, Mikey.
1: it's it thank you, man. it's it's crazy times, but we're all in this together, and uh, it's important, like we said, to stay positive, you know, yeah, negative and- minds <laughs> not stop anything.
0: For sure. Absolutely, man. And, and so California has this like shelter in place kind of thing where you have to kind of stay home. We're obviously locked down like like America will never be. Um, is there anything in place where you're at? Like, are you are you wearing a mask when you go outside or are you kind of just staying around your family and not around other people? Or is there like actually mandates stating that you have to do certain things? Like, what is it like where you're at right now?
1: They're saying that you have to wear the mask now. It's just like from the, the last few days. They're saying that if not in your car, but if you're outside, I think as far as like in the public, but when we went for our bike rides, we're by ourselves, like but there's nobody around. Right, so yes. it's not like I'm going to a bike trail with a lot of people and it's around town. Nobody's near us. It's like a ghost town. So I'm not, I'm not doing that because I'm not gonna be able to fucking breathe, but uh, yeah. we're not going near people. And you know, we do that when the weather's nice and we don't go near anybody. There's no play dates with the kids or anything like that. And that's it, man. The servers are just holding tight at the house uno games uh staying up late watching movies and uh it's nice to you know be with the family you know what i mean and uh you know i, I but i'll tell you man if you're not squared away with that i heard there's a lot i heard i ever hear reports of domestic abuse going up yeah. and i heard in china crazy. there's rumors i i don't know if it's true but i heard once this thing once they got like let out of quarantine there's a lot of divorces
0: yeah <laughs> it's i crazy, can imagine man. Right? I can imagine,
1: but we're we're we we're, we're, we're chill over here, man. So, you know, we get along. You know, me and my wife get along great, and uh, and my kids are just too funny. So, we're having a good time at the Sarah House. You know,
0: do you think do you think we're going to be able to recover from this? I mean, do you think this is going to change the way we greet people and and or as close and and affectionate to people, like shaking hands and hugging and all that? Do you think this is going to have an effect on that? And do you think this is going to have an effect on uh, sporting events and concerts and things like that, where uh, people are going to be in the future afraid to be in groups and and, and masks might be a, a common thing. I mean, do you think that's going to happen or do you think that's – once this is over, people I, are just going to go back to normal?
1: Whether oh, – you there, buddy? Yeah, I got you. You got you? Okay, sorry. Yep. The, the mic. Listen, whether it's in the upcoming months or or longer, if things are going to have to get – I mean, what are we never going to – that's going to be the culture now. This is the new normal. That's what everybody's saying. I don't want to like. I don't like that world. I don't want to. I, yeah. And it's not just because I'm in the business of strangling people of my schools. <laughs> I, I love jujitsu, man. I like. Uh, and I don't. And like we talked earlier, I don't have fighter schools. I have a fight team. That I mean, my fight team. Like me and Longo, we have a beautiful thing where, you know, we have a fight team under us. So I have the best of both worlds. You know what I mean? Yeah. I got a fight team. But I also have purely Brazilian jiu-jitsu schools. My biggest yeah. thing is not – my biggest thing with my schools is what I really love is – and it gets a little corny. But I like to empower it – sounds, it sounds like I have a comic book and I'm a comic book guy. <laughs> but I do like to empower – I do like to empower the weak. In jiu-jitsu, I was yeah. this close when I started putting my money into my big schools. Like they're both over 12,000 square feet here and it's expensive in Long Island. I remember I had – I was going to have a big thing, Sarah MMA on the strip. It's going to be big on top of my, my, my neon sign. And I had Christmas cards come up with that shit. And I was going to say, and I, I stopped last second. I went back to Sarah BJJ. Cause it's, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I'll watch MMA way before I'll watch any jujitsu matches. I just love, and I love doing jujitsu more than MMA, but it's more, I love jujitsu for the fighting. But my point is this, it's a different clientele. You don't want a fighter gym or you, maybe you do, but if you do, I hope you have another source of income because all fighters are fucking broke. And it's so that's, you know what I mean? It's hard to, to just cater to that audience. Everybody wants to be the next champ. Nobody's got money for anything. What jujitsu, you have a different clientele, doctors, lawyers, firemen, police, all all walks of life, students, everybody. And not any, and there's a portion that want to be fighters. And that's great. Like I have the fight team for that, but if, and, and I'm not. Trying to bring this up because it went fucking viral. But if you ever seen the thing with me in 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 Vegas when I was uh, with that drunk that, that started that shit in the cafe, I don't know if you ever seen it. If fight. not, you can put put, put it put it Matt Saravac drunk. Well, I had to just control the guy basically. It wasn't a much I of a think, fight, I, but I it sho- but that. it shows you that dude, that thing went viral more than anything, and uh, it did great for my schools. But the point is this: I was with my family. Next day, I'm going to the UFC Hall of Fame. We're at, a, at the Red Rock Casino. A drunk idiot out of his mind started with the waiters, starting getting rowdy, became a problem. I had to control it with jujitsu. That motherfucker did not care, and I don't look like a pussy. And that guy did not care. He was so drunk, out of control. If I put my, I think of all my students. Like, if it was one of my students that was not, I mean, I mean, listen, I'm not the tallest guy, but I kind of look like a fucking pit bull. So, I mean, for that guy to fuck with me in front of my wife and kids, if I did not know how to handle myself, I put one of my students in that same situation. If this guy's got the balls to do this in front of me, to me, to try to do this, imagine if I couldn't control, imagine, forget about winning championships. Imagine if I could not handle myself. You know what I mean? Uh, And I I, I get beat up in front of my wife and kids. That's something that people might not ever live down. And I put my students, everybody, I, all my students I think of, if they were in that same exact position that I was in, the fact that they could neutralize that situation, not only with, I mean, dude, I could have neutralized it with an elbow or a right hand too, Mikey, but I hit him, his head hits the floor, it's a problem, my kids are there, they just get scarred. I gave this guy a jiu-jitsu lesson, didn't have to throw a punch, told my sister to tape it so I didn't get sued. It ended up going viral, Fuck, like it was on TMZ and everything else. So it was, it was... My biggest thing with my schools is that I get to empower people like like the way I had that ability just to neutralize that. Handle they it. will have that same ability. They might not become another – they might have have a fight in their life, a UFC fight, an yeah. MMA fight. But you don't choose when a problem is going to find you. And this fucking – no, this douchebag, there was – the second we started, I, I got up because he was going to go after my waiter – he put all the attention on me. You got a fucking problem? Second that shirt was coming off, it, there's no, hey man, Noah, what are you going to do? You got to know yeah. how to neutralize shit. So the fact yeah. that I can empower, I don't want to stop doing that. I don't want to start, I mean, I, I like making a living of empowering people with this beautiful art. You know? I mean, so, a little corny, but it's what I like no, to do. No, I hear do, you. And it's what I want to continue. I want to continue doing it. You know what I mean? i seen People not only lose weight, but just they get a they get a swag, man. They get a different way of carrying themselves. Not cocky, but confident, because they know if something does occur, you know they're controlling guys that know how to get out of situations. They're getting out of positions with guys who know how to control them. It gives them a confidence that that they would never have if they didn't walk through my doors. So I want to I want to do that for another twenty years. So this should better get better, right Mikey. You know.
0: I'm with yeah. you too. And it's not, it's, it's, it's even a step different for me because it's not just about people coming. I'm a destination gym. So it's not just about people coming and being able to learn to defend themselves. Like, you know, your, your guests because, or your, I'm sorry, your students because they're there every day. But mine's also like an, an experience, you know, They're, they're you know, accountants yeah, and man. lawyers they're coming and they're training with muay thai trainers so they may not even get that much better in the week that they're here or the two weeks or whatever but it's a fun experience and it changes them as a person you know it changes them as like you know it's the confidence and the excitement and the so it's like yeah i'm the same as you man it's like the majority of our our guests at ak thailand are not fighters and, and they, they have no intention of being fighters some want to learn to defend themselves like, like what you were saying and others are here for the experience. They want to, they want to experience something cool and train with world champion Muay Thai trainers outside in the jungle with the, with the air blowing on them and, you know, and, and experience this kind of cool 100%. stuff. So I'm, I'm with you, man. I, I want this to keep going and I hope this doesn't have any kind of effect on the future of that. Um, and and I guess in the meantime, until we get over this whole thing, Dana White's doing this Fight Island. I have to ask you because you're yes. friends with Dana. And obviously, what, do you, what what is your take on this Fight Island being like the temporary fix until this is all over with? Like, what, what's your take on Fight Island?
1: I fucking love it, man. I recommend uh, that they should get Joe <laughs> Silva. They bring him back as fucking Tattoo and make him the UFC Fantasy Island with the plane, the plane. Have that little motherfucker yeah. come back. Joe Silva would look just like that little fuck. But anyway, uh, I like it. I think it sounds something straight out of Anthony the Dragon, Hans uh, fucking Island. But I do, I like it, man. I mean, it sounds wild. It really does, you know. And uh, I know they said that that's for international fighters. But my thing was, they're not going to just keep fighting international versus international. So American fighters got to fight there also. I, I know, to tell you the truth, I know about as much as you do. I don't, it's, it's yeah. very new. And, uh, but I and I'm not looking for information.
0: Sound. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I wasn't looking for information. I know you're friends with Dana too, but I was, I was just getting your idea, like your, like your thoughts on it. And, and if you thought it was a good idea, that was it. Yeah, I'm getting people's opinion on that. And it sounds cool, man. It sounds like, like what you said, like this, this crazy, uh, like fantasy Island, but for fighters where, you know, it, it, I don't know hey, where it is and, and how it's going to be yeah. set up, but it, I know if Dana's behind it and he's as excited as he sounds when he's doing these pressers, it's going to have to be, very interesting to say the least so uh, i'm i'm curious hey,
1: I, I might know more you know soon dana's dropping hints of doing a looking for a fight on that thing so or That'd something right. about, you know i'm saying so i would love that you know because that's that, that's so cool again man. like we spoke about before that dana white looking for a fight on youtube it's uh it's such a great gig so that's another thing that i'm looking forward to doing again we just gotta uh we just gotta dig in deep man and just be there for the for the rest of uh you know be there for each other in this time you're lucky man because you got this this is you're good at this you should keep running with this buddy you're a good podcast
0: I'm, I'm, I'm an amateur next to you bro you're killing me right now you're killing me right now no, I, man. i've never i've never had such a i've never had such a pro that i've had on my podcast so like I'm, i'm i'm stumbling trying to just keep up with you man and like and trying to hold uh. my own over here so
1: Oh, you're no, great, man! I think. We're, how long we been talking for now, Mikey?
0: An hour and forty minutes. Hour and forty an minutes. Hour man. and
1: forty minutes. What is this? Yeah. The, what is it? You're doing the, the Joe Rogan experience? <laughs> I
0: I think so, man. I I guess it's, you're you're just Very so good, natural. man. You just... Hey,
1: listen. My my podcasts are uh, are usually an hour, so you're do you're you're doing way better. Listen, and I got Jimmy Bird to do the heavy lifting, so you you did fucking <laughs> awesome, man. I I had a well, well, I had a great time talking to you, man, and. uh uh, and Listen, if you want me on again, anything else you want to bullshit about before I get out? I mean, talk to me. I, I want to first. Kid. I want to appreciate.
0: Uh, yeah, first I want to thank you for your time, man. Because again, an hour and forty minutes. I appreciate that, and I love talking to you. And this is great. Uh, this will be my longest podcast, and I and I, I greatly appreciate you know that. What, um but, but you know before funny, I Mikey, let you,
1: Mikey, you did say we were going to do twenty minutes, but we're just. we got nothing to do we're in quarantine
0: (laughs) yeah that's why it's a quarantine series because i can get guests so easy now because everybody's at home so it's like it's the best time to do skypes with people and then uh so anyway i I, I appreciate your go ahead no No, i appreciate your time man i appreciate you coming in here but while i have you here such a professional at what you do i want to get you to break down one fight for me uh Actually, I wanted you to break down Khabib versus Ferguson, um, but then now it seems like Gaethje versus Ferguson might be the one happening if this Fight Island happens. Um, could you possibly give me your your take on those two fights uh, being that they're probably both going to happen eventually anyway? But Khabib versus Ferguson and Ferguson versus Gaethje. Just one good breakdown from you uh, before this, I, before I am,
1: Well, this is. I mean, I am a huge Habib fan. I love Habib. Yeah. I go by the nickname Kamora Savage on my VR. I love the fucking Kamoros. <laughs> I think Habib is is like I, I love the way he carries himself. I am Habib fan. Now Habib is Tony. I'm a Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson is a nightmare for several uh, to, to face for several reasons. Endurance, a a wide skill set of just extremely well-rounded and perhaps most importantly is his mentality. Like when Mm. he fought Kevin Lee, I I remember pointing out that Kevin Lee mounted him and, you know, other guys could feel defeated by that. It did not make a difference when he got out. It's like, he never been mounted. That's the, that's the sign of a guy that there's some guys that have a certain point to get pushed until they break. And you got to just, uh, there's other guys that there's like, there's an off switch. You have Unless that switch is off, they're going to keep coming after you. And that's Tony Ferguson. So that's what made that fight so intriguing. Could he survive the mauling of Habib? I feel, and again, I love Tony. So, I mean, Tony's a dog. I feel at, once, at a certain point, I feel Habib will get that on behind his back. And maybe, I don't think that he'd want to quit, but I think, I, I I feel that Habib is such a master at controlling on the floor, positionally. So between the ground and pound, I think. It, it, but it would ultimately be a finish by Kamora or something where it have to just break Frank Mir, Minotoro style. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's how yeah. I see that kind of thing going. But I would love to see it. I would be even more intrigued. It's, I'm even more fascinated at. Justin Gaethje versus Habib. And the reason I say that in his whole career, unless he just chose to go with it and chill, I see that in maybe one of his fights, uh, Justin doesn't go to his, the guard. He doesn't go get taken down. His wrestling is so good. He uses it not to take guys down, but to stay up. So, and he is a fucking powerhouse striker where he's, his, from his kicks that are devastating... To his KO power, when he's been knocking these guys out. His last three fights versus James Vick. Don't say it. James Vick, Edson Barboza, and James Vick, Edson Barboza. Who the fuck am I forgetting? God damn
0: it. I, I, I'm lost too. I'm anyway, lost
1: too. it's three. I going to bother the shit out of me, and I don't want to disrespect mm. somebody and not mention it. James Vick, he knocked out. Uh, Edson yeah. Barbosa, he stopped. And Cowboy Cerrone, you're, he stopped.
0: No, no, no. You're talking about right. yeah, his last fight where he knocked out uh, his Gaethje. friend, Cerrone. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah,
1: Justin Gaethje. Okay, there you go. He, he, I'm not as shy He knocked as out I Cerrone.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then he felt uh, bad afterwards because it let Spikey he
1: He's never looked better, Justin Gaethje. And I would... And talk about styles. Can Habib get him down and do to him and keep him down? Because when he gets back up, he's bringing hell. Because another thing that Justin Gaethje has is, like what Tony has, is the endurance factor. And mm-hmm. and not for nothing, let's not forget that Habib has heavy hands. He dropped Connor. He just doesn't rely on it because he doesn't have to. So right. I find the Justin Gaethje fight even more. If it wasn't for the buildup of five fights that got canceled with Tony Ferguson and Habib, style-wise, I feel Habib and... And uh, Justin Gaethje is even more intriguing for me. I think it's even more of a, whoa, could he do what he does to everybody else to Justin Gaethje? Because Justin Gaethje's number one thing is he likes to stand, but he's got a stud wrestling background, and nobody's ever ground and pounded this dude. He's getting taken out, standing yeah. up. Would it be do that? Dude, I can go on and on. That fight fascinates me. I, I'd rather see it, to be honest with you. I'd rather yeah, see him fight Justin
0: I wanted you to break down the, the Ferguson Gaethje just in case that happens because that was the one that was announced. Just in case that does happen in the meantime at Fight Island if, or whenever this happens, if it gets uh, to take place. Um, but going back to that, I think the... Because the, I'm teammates with Khabib, obviously, so I'm biased, but I'm also a huge fan and I know how dangerous he is and I know how strong he is from grappling with him. Um, but yes. to me, I am more worried about Khabib in a Gaethje fight than I am a Ferguson fight just for the fact that of how how gaichi swings and how how you know the fight does start on the feet each time each round and gaichi's such a freaking animal with his hands and just doesn't care and if he catches one of those you know it, it's going to change things so that that fight worries me a little bit more than the ferguson fight with with khabib but i wanted to get your your opinion also of just if this fight does go through somehow with gaichi versus ferguson because that's an interesting matchup what do you think there
1: I, you know what, we just talked to Justin recently and, uh, I feel it would probably go one of two ways. I think that Justin would either knock him out or, uh, get, you might get strangled in the later rounds that, that might, that, 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 you know, he's good with the, uh, with the arm strangles, you know, and, uh. Off shots and whatnot, and and, and off the, the the front headlock, and I feel that uh, that and and even you know it's funny that's two of the ways that Justin was saying that, and I, and Justin was saying he didn't have really a, a good camp, like a, a full camp, so he's saying that you know he'd be fine with either finishing it early, but him knocking him out or him getting strangled later in the rounds. So I, I, what I love about Justin Gaethje is he, uh, he he commits fully, he leaves it all out there, and the outcome is the outcome he's not a crybaby when he loses he's like man that was a good fight i remember he was doing a he lost the it was poirier maybe and and i remember he's like why does everybody look so down he's snacking he's he's talking to the reporters after right doing the post-fight thing like what's up everybody why all the long faces because he knows he gave it 110 percent and it's a very freeing feeling and it, similar to what i fought gsp not not the fucking bring that up but i remember walking to the cage to fight george with a feeling kind of how justin probably had feels every time he fights the way he talks is i remember going to fight george with uh okay it's a him or me attitude i'm either gonna i don't know because i remember seeing uh tim sylvia versus jeff munson and it was a fight yeah. like a, a, a title fight and it was justin shooting for uh, uh not justin uh what the fuck's his name i just said it uh, Jeff Tim Munson Sylvia. shooting from a corner. Yeah, yeah, oh Tim Sylvia, that big dork. He'd be, I never liked him. <laughs> he'd be, he'd sprawl <laughs> <small laughs> and, and and then uh, Jeff Munson I'm be shooting it from a right It went five rounds. It was the shittiest fight ever. So forgettable. Yeah. So I remember thinking, <laughs> going to the fight with George, like, ah oh, man, this is very freeing because one, it's not going to be boring. It's either me or him. He doesn't know that I plan on standing don't get me wrong if he slips i'll jump on mount but if i get, i remember planning on <laughs> just and it's a very freeing feeling so i could imagine that's how justin feels in every fight and it's a great it's a great yeah. feeling to have you know what i mean yeah, Of just of hey man i i did everything i can let's let the chips fall where they may you know
0: yeah all right man that's that's i won't take any more of your time and we didn't we did an uh, hour and 15 <laughs> minutes so that's i really fun. appreciate it man hey,
1: yeah thank man. you so no much problem. for coming on the show yeah. No problem, man. Uh, you return the favor. You come on UFC Unfiltered soon. For all your Bless listeners, you. have, uh, check me out on Instagram, Matt Sarah BJJ, And uh, that's it, man. Check out Dana White looking for a fight. Check out my podcast. And we'll be back, Mike Swick. We'll be back, buddy.
0: I'd love to come on your show and we'll link everything at the bottom of the description of this video. So uh, thanks again, man. I really appreciate it. It's always great talking to you. I've never talked to you for two hours before. And, and as long as I've known you, but it's been great. Man. I've loved this conversation. This is especially in <laughs> quarantine right now to be able to sit and talk to you about our history That's and funny. about our careers and, and all this stuff. It's been, it's been great for me. And I, I think everyone else is going to enjoy it too.
1: We covered a lot, man. Let me know when you're doing the, 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 put out the promotion for this, send me some clips and I'll do it on my Instagram. You got all right you Mike. Got it, man. Take care, man thanks
0: for having me bro hey thank you so much matt take care buddy all right so there you have it matt sarah what a great podcast uh, almost two hour podcast my longest uh, the, a record now for my longest podcast and of course it's no surprise that it's from a professional podcaster so hopefully i held my own um that was a good test for me to talk to somebody that was uh, so good at this and uh it was a great conversation i love matt sarah we've always had a great time Uh, throughout our careers and and you know i've never talked to him for this long so it's it was great reminiscing and finding out a lot of things about matt sarah that i didn't know and uh, i think he found out a lot of things he didn't know as well but uh anyway he has a great podcast with jim norton called ufc unfiltered we're going to put all the information in the description below Uh, if you're watching us on youtube please subscribe if you're listening to us on the audio platforms stitcher soundcloud iTunes, Spotify. Please subscribe to us there. This is the sixth podcast we've done in a week. We've had Tyron. We've had Michelle Watterson. We've had Forrest Griffin. We've had Rampage Jackson. We've had Chuck Liddell, who's going to be posted in the next day or so, which actually, now that you're watching this, it was already posted. Um, and then now Matt Sarah. So this is six podcasts in a week. We're going to keep these going. We've got a lot of great guests lined up. So stay tuned. <laughs>